How is it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to The Way of the Wolf. We've got a very special guest and very special episode today. We are actually recording at Nitro Dave's Nitrous Outlet. Dave, I've known for about 20 years or so. Met him back whenever I was in college. I was probably one of his first employees or maybe the second, something like that, if I remember correctly. I didn't work for money. I worked for parts while I was <laughs> I was here. Um, but Dave, I'm looking forward to having this conversation and giving you the opportunity to share with all the listeners your story and talk about this incredible company that you have built over the years. So Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Good deal. So... <clears throat> Talk to the listeners. Tell us, who is Nitro Dave? Uh, my real name is David Vassar. Uh, a lot of people know me as Nitro Dave, which is my nickname. It came about with a, uh, well, like I said, probably it was over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2000, 2001, uh, started hustling parts, mm -hmm. filling uh, bottles, selling race gas out of a enclosed trailer. And then we got our first... first uh, shopping center building mm -hmm. and it just kept growing from there but it, it turned in from hustling parts reselling parts to working on cars working on hot rods and that's when you came in mm -hmm. uh and we had moved into our first or second facility that had uh full technicians and and parts i think sales. it was the second shop because it was right a block from here right with so, auto yeah. tech yep it was it was uh it was that was the that was actually our third move but that was the second facility that we actually worked on, Hot Rods. Mm -hmm. uh, the company's name was Nitro Dave's Performance. And uh, I don't remember exactly how that came about, but it was catchy and mm -hmm. it stuck. And so over the years, everybody's just known me as Nitro Dave. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so the business back then versus what it is today. There have – I think you've – Expressed to me, you've made some acquisitions over the years. You've added additional product lines and and, and kind of sub companies and entities. Can you share a little bit about what the company structure looks like overall in the different areas that you focus on? Yeah, you know, originally wherever I started, I had no clue what I was going to do. Uh, I felt like I was taken advantage of uh, where I did work and underappreciated, and I felt like I was running in place. Uh, I'm not the great dropout, so I didn't have a whole lot of options as far as education taking me anywhere mm -hmm. uh, and i felt like the my future what the only way i was going to have a future is if i worked for myself so uh i started the speed shop hustling parts unfortunately i was a terrible businessman back there and i hadn't back then and and really had no concept that you know being street smart i understood that if i bought something for three dollars i had to sell it for six um but then the catch 22 was Whenever it came time for me to hire employees, I knew I had to take care of them. That was where I wanted to make a difference. And back then, there's a there's a sweet spot between taking care of your employees and and sinking yourself financially. And I paid the technicians sixty percent of the install ticket in the back. So come Wednesday, they already made a nice check, and I was still trying to stay on schedule. Mm -hmm. um, I started Nitrous Outlet out of the building that Nitro Dave's uh, performance was in. And originally, we were just manufacturing parts that didn't exist to pair up with other companies' uh, products. So like the EFI plates, dedicated fuel systems, mm -hmm. switch panels. None of that stuff in, in the nitrous industry existed. So we built those key components, and we paired up with another manufacturer's products. Um, there became a crossroad to where uh, financially I couldn't carry both. And I was in my early 20s, and uh, I was frustrated. And I'd given up. I was going through a divorce. Um, so I took in, uh, sold the install shop to our head technician with all the lifts, all the tools. Uh, we left the chassis down on the floor for him to use. I sold it for $9,000. I was just done. And so I sold the, uh, the, the hot rod parts and all that stuff to a company that was opening up in Oklahoma. And he came down and took it out. It was a one-day decision. There was, it just, I walked in the next day. David Clark was one of my best friends. He was our head technician. At the time, we had four technicians in the back. And I said, Hey, do you, you want to buy this place? And he thought I was joking. And I said, I'll sell it to you for nine grand. He went to the bank, got nine grand. And wow. I was off. Here came Nitrous Outlet full time. Uh, <clears throat> the business dynamics between myself and, and uh, what is now our competition was changing 
the uh, I could see the writing on the wall, and I didn't like the way they they were doing business. And I realized that my company was de- going to be uh, its well being was was controlled by their well being. And so we decided to, or I decided at the time I only had one employee. And so that was after that was actually after you because mm-hmm. everybody I peeled off the the speed shop and and uh, I bought a house and gutted it and I turned the front bedroom into the phone room and I turned the garage into the shipping room and parts and then I had a big enclosed trailer built and it held all the parts. So we it, I had one employee at the time yeah. and we had package up the product. We run out there, you know. We take the order. We run out there and package it up, ship it, and then go back and jump on the phone again. And uh, at the time, I really didn't know where the future was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, all those years of building the the speed shop and then going into that financially was a struggle, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was one burden on uh, my marriage. You know, mm-hmm. it just it takes a lot of sacrifice that not everybody's in to give. Um, the nitrocellic kind of really just kind of took off we worked niches we built a high-end product and we built it for certain uh, areas of the market whether it's late model dodge late model gm efi ford and and we went about it from a different tactic we built a quality product and we pushed customer service customer service customer service and what i came to realize over time is in everybody's mind their product is the best you know and and so from the from the consumer side of it, you're not as well knowledgeable in how a solenoid works. What's the key components to make it great? What you know the the discharge pattern of the plate. To you, a nitrous plate's a nitrous plate. A yep. solenoid's a solenoid, and so the technical aspect of teaching fell on the burden of us. But also, we came to realize that okay, well, the nitrous company down the road is saying theirs is just as good too. So we have to out customer service them. We have to have a better technical background than they do. So we got to build a quality product and we got to customer service it to death. And that was an area that the industry was suffering at. And uh, and we took, you know, back then I would travel and tune race cars and work on stuff. And, and that really helped us with the product designs because before all the co- nitrous companies were just copying one another. They weren't designing anything new in the, in the, in the industry. It went stagnant. And so, uh, we would tune a car and, and see, man, this really kind of sucks. Um, we're having to tune around this issue. So we just designed a product that didn't have that issue. And and that's really was – that's just word of mouth throughout that time because, you know, we didn't have any money. It was just – it was just uh, – I say time, we. It was just me. But What I, time I frame did that occur in? So you started back in around 2000 right? something like that. So whenever you got to a point you were running the business out of your house and then you started expanding a little bit – and and then going and tuning these race cars at what year was that roughly oh, man that was probably 10 years ago okay that All was right. really the defining moment that nitrous outlet was starting to build its own entity okay. uh, so it took you about 10 years to get to that point correct okay and right. and and i look back and a lot of that uh was just being a bad businessman not being educated you know in in a sense of and not having someone to go to to ask that type of information mm-hmm. um you know, even back then, while it was the forum days, the internet still wasn't as broad as it is now to get to. You know, I tell I tell our kids. You know, I tell my nephew and, and my son. I'm like, look, you have one thing that we didn't have as a kid. You have Google. Mm-hmm. You can look and see what jobs pay. Yep. How long you got to go to school? Where you got to live? And and you you can pick a, a an arrangement of different things mm-hmm. and say, well, that's what I want to do, and it pays good. Yeah. And and I can still live here, or I got to move here. Uh, we didn't have that advantage, you know. So it's. I think that's a great tool that 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 young adults have now that that really need to, needs to be utilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, uh, you know, it, it got to a point where the company started taking off, and every time I left to go work on a race car, it killed us. It, it just it put us so far behind, and. Uh, then because that would, are you saying that because the operations would kind of stop without you being here? It w- wasn't that it would stop. It was we, we were going through those growing pains and where everything would suffer wherever I left. It was like I turned my back on it, even mm-hmm. though I wasn't. Yeah. You know, it just it 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 still needed me here. The company couldn't run without me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we grew 
at that point in time is where it really cooked off. And it was two or three years in a row we grew at 68%. Ooh. And people think that's awesome, but it's not because you have a building of uh, – I mean, you can't you can't build it fast enough. You can't hire fast enough. You can't train fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because of it, the part numbering structure, instructions, all those things that go together to help make a key component were thrown together. Mm-hmm. And so, while the component was awesome, the instructions were absolutely terrible. The uh, pictures were terrible. Everything was just get it out. You know, build a good product, get it out, take care of the demand, and it. That came back to bite us years later. And so in we've been in this building now six years. Okay. This was our 11th move. Wow. From the time that the performance company started to now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have 32 employees now. Okay. Back then, we were probably at six, mm-hmm. seven. Uh, we have spent the last three or four years rebuilding what we did then. So that's that's interesting, and and you know a lot of small businesses they they just the thought of rapid growth like that excites them to no end. But based on what you're sharing, there's there's kind of a, a reality check that has to occur because when you're in this frantic state and building your business up as fast as possible to meet customer demand, get product out the door, you make mistakes along the way inevitably. Right, you're and bleeding out. You are. You're bleeding out financially because you're wasteful. Mm. You're. Uh, you're burning employees out because there's no structure. Mm-hmm. And so you're taking good employees and, and, and you're turning them bad because of the environment that you put them in. Yeah. Um, and then you're hiring some that you should have just never hired. And then you're, and then I have a bad habit of wanting to fix people, mm-hmm. uh, which has a lot to do with my past. So well, I but I, I, well, I want to interject here real quick. I don't. I wouldn't say that that's a bad habit. Right. I think that's an admirable trait and something that. I myself am very passionate about not so much fixing people, but helping people find the path and helping them maybe achieve the things that they're meant to achieve. Right. However, it is important for you to know when to draw that line right. and say, okay, you know what? I've done everything I can. And whether they're toxic to the corporation or their teammates or whatever that may be, that's the challenge that I've struggled with over the years. And I still do it at certain points. But as a leader, I think it's important for us to be able to recognize that, have that level of self-awareness and know, okay, this is something that I struggle with. So lean on somebody else on the team to say, hey, check me here. Right. Am I going too far down this path? Do I need to get my head right and and make a different decision? That's the advantage of growing wherever you have a management team, which we have now. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, back then it was just me. Yeah. Whether I made the right choice or the bad choice, that's the route we were going. And I, I, I... would tend to give some people chance after chance after chance that I should have let go. And then some we gave great chances and, and they're still here. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it's so yeah, it, it, it has its purpose. But those were the things that kinda held us back. Yeah. And uh and after we came in and started rebuilding and creating structure, I didn't realize at the time structure is so important. It's important to the health of the company, it's important to the health of your employees. Mm-hmm. Um Turnover mm-hmm. is what kills a company. Yeah, and so a lot of I've seen a lot of business owners that you know they throw their chest out there and they're me 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 me, and uh, I didn't want to be that. Mm-hmm. And and so I, that's the reason you know back in the day everything was Nitro Dave's Nitro Dave's, and then I removed the Nitro Dave name from mm-hmm. our logo. And the reason why is because I was trying to send a message to our employees that this company is not me, it's us, and uh, and that was a key component. Yeah, I'd like to say something there also, because I remember when that occurred and I can think back to all the years of everybody picking up the phone and can I talk to Dave? Can I talk to Dave? Can I talk to Dave? And well, Dave's not available. He said, "Okay, well, I'll wait for Dave. And people wouldn't have a conversation with your salesperson because, no, I want Dave. Right. And so seeing you make that transition and take and it didn't even hit me until you just said that as far as taking your name out of the business name. But that, that that makes sense. I get it. You know what's funny is we still get guys that call, mm-hmm. and they will go. I'm talking my team will take care of them all the way to the end and mm-hmm. tell them five or six times, my name is not Dave, it's Sage. My name is Sage. My name is Sage. And then they'll be like, all right, Dave, thank you. <laughs> and they just go, oh, whatever. <laughs> so, and so people all the time are like, yeah, I talked to you. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, you didn't talk to me. But you know what that means is that I built a badass team. And that's yep. and that they are able to put off the same amount of customer service that I was doing mm-hmm. 
that it's like I was there. Yep. So if if I was actually everywhere people think I am, I'd, I'd be like a superhero <laughs> or something. <laughs> so, so it's 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 a really the message that we tried to send to the team was very important. And now I really pride myself in how many employees we have that have been here for you know ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a I can't even tell you how many people have been here five years plus. Yeah. Um, turnover is is a built business killer because you spend all that time training them and then they leave. Yeah. But but the reality of it is whenever you're building a company, you know, you can't afford the best pay, the best benefits and all that stuff in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So the employee so in a lot of cases the company is a stepping stone for your employee because your employee is building their future and and you have to be supportive if they are able to leave and go do something better mm-hmm. and you got to tell them, you know, go for it. Yeah. Um and then at the same time some employees are a stepping stone for the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so as long as – it took me a long time to realize that offset. And once I did, I came to realize, okay, well, well now we give our employees free health, free dental, free vision, um, 401K match, mm-hmm. paid vacation, paid holidays. I mean, so we've, we've accomplished a lot. And once that started to happen and you're paying a quality paycheck – with quality benefits, mm-hmm. you get a quality employee in return because you're able to raise your expectations. Yeah. Um, but if you're paying crap and mm-hmm. you're not doing any well, those good employees mm-hmm. can find somewhere else that'll treat them good. That's right. And that's that's exactly what'll happen. Well, especially so. One thing that I'm keenly aware of and have been watching in the past few months is this term, the great resignation. We're seeing so many people quitting their jobs. Millions and millions a month are just quitting their jobs, and then big employers are throwing their hands up. I can't figure out why I can't hold on to people. So my question to you is in recent months with the great resignation, as we're coming out of this pandemic, have you struggled with turnover recently? No, we've lost one employee and it was because he just, he was just young. He's actually a friend of mine. Yeah. And, uh, he just didn't want to come to work. Well, I think that's that's so. a testament to, to what you and your team have built here. And when you take the time to, to offer those types of benefits and you build a, a company culture like what you've built here and what I've witnessed myself, and one of the things that, that struck me as you were kind of walking me around earlier, your crew was, was unloading from PRI, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, but you jumped on a forklift and started moving stuff yourself. You were unboxing things and moving things yourself. So you don't have this fear of, of rolling up your sleeves and doing what needs to be done. And that sends a very powerful message to your employees. I think that's, that's phenomenal. Well, you know, you have to trust your employees to get stuff done, but also they really respect you whenever, whenever there's something to do and you're willing to get in there and throw mm-hmm. down beside them. Yep. I'm a little unique because I hate sitting behind the desk. Like mm-hmm. I've been working on spreadsheets for the last month and I hate it. <laughs> um, and that's not my, that's yeah. not where I enjoy being. The company, my role in the company has changed. Mm-hmm. I like to go out there and work on stuff. That's, yeah. that's what I like to do. I like to design. Well, now the company is demanding me somewhere else and, and we've hit this milestone. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a management team in, in process. I have a second in command in process, which mm-hmm. is Jacob and Jacob mm-hmm. runs all operations here. Yeah. He's also my financial brain because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so he keeps me in line. He tells yeah. me, yeah. you know, he, his, his job is to tell me no. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that was a great turning point for us financially. Uh, the, uh, the difference is, is now, I like days like today. You happen to show up while we're unloading a trailer. Mm-hmm. Well, this morning I was working on a spreadsheet, and I got up and went out there and started unloading the trailer because I was just tired of staring at it. Um, <laughs> I like to go out there and work on things. Yeah. Mentally, that mm-hmm. relieves me. The 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 computer stuff, mm-hmm. I will go home more tired at the end of the day from a mental standpoint than if I was out there slinging freight all day. Um, that That's what wears me out. So here's where we're at now. So R&D. You know, the company went stagnant for a while on, mm-hmm. on new products because we were just redesigning, rewriting instructions, redoing uh, okay. all this. And we were creating that structure within R&D. We went from five employees in R&D to two, and they're awesome. And that's all we need. That's just so, health. Okay, so you increased the efficiencies and the effectiveness of the people in R&D. Correct. So you didn't need as many? Exactly. Okay. So we went from no structure to mm-hmm. everybody just kind of going every which direction yep. to now there, there's actually three of us because I count. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like uh, Cliff does all of our products. So we'll bring a car in, right? Mm-hmm. It's me. I can't say it's just three of us because I have guys from other departments like Roger does all the wiring will come in there and DH, which does all the welding and fab and the machinists come in there and help. So there's a lot more in R&D than just two main, but there's three of us main guys. So we'll okay. bring a car in. We'll decide what we want to design or a product, whatever we're going to do. 
and we'll start with prototypes. Well, whenever it's all said and done, after we've built it, fit it, tested it, flowed it, then you got to write instructions. Instructions is where we had a really hard time because I'm very particular mm-hmm. in how I want it laid out. I'm the worst speller in the world, and I'm very illiterate. But I know how – I know what – because I have attention deficit so bad, mm-hmm. I can get into middle – and if my mind goes like that mm-hmm. – Sixty percent of the car guys out there are going to be like that. So uh, we really had to create that structure. So my role has changed to where now I'm doing more product design, mm-hmm. proofreading instructions, and then I have a marketing department that, you know, like Aaron, our new video guy. He's freaking awesome. Tons mm-hmm. of talent, right? Yep. But he's not a nitrous guy. He doesn't know mm-hmm. our product. So I'm having to type up everything that's going in into the to to the, to the videos. Yeah. Um, now he's catching on. Mm-hmm. And now he's starting now. So what happens is, is I'm a director at this point, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, this is the way I want it done. This is the science of what appeals to our customers, and this is this is what has worked for us for 20 years. And and so now these guys are realizing, okay, well, this is the way David wants it done, and now they're able to run with it. Mm-hmm. And I just have to I just have to link stuff together. Yeah. And so uh, the other side now is we're getting ready to release three more companies. Well, okay. I realized with Nitrous Outlet, whenever I started the part numbering program there, I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. And it became a monster later on, and we had to redefine. Mm-hmm. So now we're actually building the entire product line on computer before we even move forward with machining mm-hmm. or any of that stuff. And so uh, that's being the, the role that's happening and, and the descriptions and what they are. And all that stuff has to be structured before you can move forward. So right before uh, PRI, we were going to release Flow Supply, which is a fitting and hose company. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, everybody goes, why? Because there's like 10,000 fitting and hose companies out there. Um, well, the difference is we already make a bunch of custom fittings and hoses for our nitrous systems. So it just opens up the market uh, with, with you know, some people think, well, I don't buy nitrous. I don't run nitrous. Okay, but they still build cars, mm-hmm. still need fittings and hoses. So now we're able to take our entire wholesale program and open them up to this other avenue, which which gives us more bottom line, more cash flow. Yeah. And because our nitrous outlet product line is so labor intensive, mm-hmm. putting a fitting in a bag is not labor intensive. You know, so it's like that's that's quick, easy profit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one of the companies we're adding. And then Meth Heads, which is our meth injection company, uh, is again solenoids, hoses, fittings. Uh, so, so elaborate a little bit on on when you say meth, we're not talking about the stuff that rots your teeth right. and, and the drugs. So elaborate on that for the listeners that aren't. So you know, them. we were really torn on the company name because whenever you think meth head, you think some <laughs> crackhead, right? Yeah. And and so we've had a lot of joking around about that. And uh, before we registered the name, we considered other stuff, but meth heads grabs you. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? And so it's it's something that you're going to remember. Mm-hmm. Now it's our marketing department's job. Mm-hmm. To take it into a positive aspect. So when we're talking about meth heads, we're talking about you know meth injection. You're obsessed with with uh, you're obsessed with uh, meth injection on your car. You mm-hmm. know your blower, your turbo car, whatever yeah. it may be. Uh, you're you're obsessed with that power adder mm-hmm. or, or that 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 aspect of the accessory. Yeah. Um, so we've been working on right now. What we're working on is the logo and the character which we're kind of go for like a mad scientist top look that's cool and so uh it's our marketing department's job to make it positive mm-hmm. instead of some crackhead yeah and now whenever you walk by a car and it says meth heads on it you're going to giggle and you're going to remember <laughs> that so from from yep. a name standpoint it's going to stick yep and and so all these companies already deal with stuff we already do in the house mm-hmm. in house mm-hmm. it's going to expand and it's going to keep growing yeah but like 860 performance we purchased that company like 15 years ago from a, fr- a friend of mine, Vinny. We purchased it for four main products that he made mm-hmm. and moved into the nitrous outlet line. So it's just being kind of sitting stagnant. Mm-hmm. Where now we're building, uh, you know, Holly and fuel tech screen mounts, uh, battery mounts, uh, everything that has to do with metal fabrication yep. and performance products is falling mm-hmm. underneath the 860 name. Okay. So we've, we're tackling a lot in 2022. Mm-hmm. The difference now is, is we have the financial footing and the structure. The yeah. structure is, is what, once we d- develop structure with nitrous helmet, the financial security came behind it. Mm-hmm. Before that, I never could get a grab on it. And we struggled and struggled. And really the, 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 the defining moment was realizing I couldn't do everything. 
And I had to put people that were better certain things in place and remove myself from it. Because, you know, like the worst thing that this company can have is me on the phone because I give everything away. And so <laughs> they flat out told me, like, stay off phones. Because I'll be taking a credit card and be like, ah, no, I can do better than that. You know? And, and, and I mean, you have a margin for a reason and you yeah. can't grow and, and you can't, you can't, um, the health of the company cannot continue to, to improve if you're not making that margin. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was just one of those things that we had we had to remove me from. Yeah, and and it was a smart thing to do. <laughs> Probably a smart thing and, for the business. And there's walls. Everybody always goes well. Like I have my, our own little hot rods, and they're not the fastest. They're not mm-hmm. the best. And everybody goes well. Why don't you go get that? Well, I've seen so many businesses go out of business from putting their money in cars mm-hmm. um, that they couldn't afford to do. Yeah. So our team has a budget. And I'm allowed to do what I can within that budget, and other than that, just sits on the side of the shop. Yeah, and and so it keeps my hands off of it, and, That's good. and it keeps us honest. And and because of that, we're able to do things like buy. You know, we just bought 15 acres to build a new facility. Mm-hmm. Um, we paid this building off in five years. Okay, you know, so it's like all these different aspects are coming in, and if I were really putting a bunch of money into our race cars, mm-hmm. it would never happen. Yeah, and and so. So while it is good advertising, at the end of the day, you have to be aware of how much are you investing in. Are you really seeing a return on that advertising when it's really just a toy? Right. It's a, it's a, it's a mix of both. You know. Yeah. So here's the reality: is our customers um, do the best advertising for us. Okay. We have built mm-hmm. so many relationships. If you look at all the records that our product holds and all mm-hmm. the the classes that they're winning mm-hmm. and uh, just different aspects of what's going on within the industry. Mm-hmm. That's really about relationships. Yeah. And so uh, that's very important. Having our own hot rods to go do stuff is another great source of, 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 uh, of advertising. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is I may win one or two races. Like last year I won one, mm-hmm. you know, I got lucky. So the, the truth is my cars will never be at the front of the pack. Mm-hmm. Do I want them to? Yes. Is it great advertisement for us and for the people that we work with? Yes, because I'm out in front of everybody, and mm-hmm. and, and we have a lot of those relationships. Um, but I'm also very adamant that whenever I show up to a racetrack, if I have a customer that needs something, mine's going in the trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's so. The, the what's happened over the last two years is that I have buddies that go with me, and they take care of the car. Um, in Georgia, we had hell this last trip. We had the heads off of it twice. We ripped the oil pan off of it. Off of your car? Yeah. Okay. We could not get a grab on it. On the Camaro or the truck? The Camaro. Okay. And uh, and Mike uh, and Roger were like, just get away from us. And, and Ricky, they were like, just you go do what you got to do. We'll get the car ready. Mm-hmm. And then I turn around, tear it up again. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was, it was a, it was a rough week and yeah. we didn't even qualify. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that's racing. Yeah. I mean, I mean frankly, it, well, yeah. we came from Kentucky with going to the quarterfinals with a car that was working great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we unloaded it there and a fuel pump went out first pass and it just tore it up, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just, we never could get a grab on the track kept changing and, and that's racing. Yeah. But you know, that's also fun. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, anybody that follows me knows I make fun of myself a lot on social media um, <laughs> because I do a lot of stupid stuff. And uh, I thought after 11 years and not driving a fast car, I was just going to climb back in the seat. And the mm-hmm. truth was I was scared of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so what's the car run? Uh, the fastest the car has been is a 482, um, which in a At class uh, 145, I think. That's, that's moving. But we haven't even leaned on it yet, mm-hmm. you know, because I kept doing really stupid stuff trying to drive it like mm. like if, if people there was one time i stayed on the on the rev limiter top of the track for a second and a half and torched top of the motor because i was so excited i finally drove through the wheelie instead of letting out <laughs> <laughs> and so you know getting data to keep pushing the car was was pretty rough uh, but it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and so people would always say why don't you put somebody else in the driver's seat and mm-hmm. i'm like because this is my release yeah now this year i'm really to the point where I don't have the butterflies no more. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to uh, get a routine, and I want to be competitive. Yeah. Uh, so now we're trying to be competitive. Okay. And you know what's really cool about the school, uh, about uh, Orange Juice, mm-hmm. is that Samtech sponsors the car. Okay. And the students build the motor. That's cool. And so I get to go teach there twice a year just like a continuing education. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the relationship that I have with the school is just awesome. So I pay for parts, mm-hmm. and the students do all the labor. And so, like, when we were in Georgia, yeah, you know, uh, Judson said every uh, TV in that building was on 
Georgia, and those students were watching their work. Now, this last tra- trip, I didn't represent them so well. But, <laughs> They're like, damn it, Dave, yes. you're tearing my motor up. <laughs> but I did put their motor to test. <laughs> I put it to work, that's for sure. And so, like, so like, we fixed mm-hmm. it, but it, there's no doubt it needs a ring job. Mm-hmm. So I came back, and uh, and I, I told the school, I said, hey, I'm, I'm just going to pull it apart and do the rings. And they're like, no, bring it to us. Mm-hmm. The students love working on this. Yeah. And so I got to get the motor out of it, and they're going to – Freshen the rings because yeah. they probably lost their attention in them, okay. and uh, and we'll be ready to go again. Perfect. You know, so fantastic. It, yeah, we'll be ready to tear something. You break else it, up. they fix it. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of great. <laughs> so that's actually a good segue into competition. You have some competitors in your space that have been around for for many, many, many years longer than than you have. Yep. Where would you rank yourself in terms of like there's. For me, there's like the top three that come to mind. There's mm-hmm. Nitrous Outlet, there's Nitrous Express, and NOS. Is mm-hmm. that still a thing? Um, man, yes and no. Okay. Really, it, it's it's Nitrous Express and, uh, and us. Okay, uh, All right. we're, we're kind of the two main. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that Holly has kind of taken NOS more into energy drinks. Okay, and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But okay. but in all reality, whenever you're owned by a big corporation, you mm-hmm. have to do what makes financial sense. Yeah. And and nitrous requires in order to be as competitive as we are, mm-hmm. you got to be really customer service oriented, mm-hmm. very technical aspect. Um, and and the truth is, Holly is so awesome with all their electronics and their you know their their dominator system and mm-hmm. so many other avenues of income mm-hmm. that that kind of just fell to the back burner. Yeah, and so that really kind of opened the door up for people like me. Yeah, and so <clears throat> in our company, um, it's safe to say that Nitro Express is our main competitor. Mm-hmm. I think we way outshine them. If you look in the racing industry, you see more Nitro Talent stuff now than you will them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe it's because of the employees we have, yeah. the, the customer service standpoint, the technical. Uh, I tell people all the time, call over there and ask them a real technical question, and then call my guys mm-hmm. and drill them with some technical questions. Yeah. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and we're everywhere, you know. And, and Rudy's been really good at getting us into drifting, uh, racing boats, mm-hmm. uh, power sports. So how do you view Nitrous Express? I mean, they're they're kind of the, the clear competitor for you. Whenever you think about new products that you're going to release, do you do you think about, oh, well, NX has got this. I've got to beat that. Or are you just saying, hey, here's what I've got. It's already better than them. I'm just going to make my product even better or our product even better. Like, I'm just curious to see where your head is at in terms of view. How do you view competition in terms of your business performance versus theirs? So I think that it's probably been six or seven years ago was a turning point because I used to pay attention to what all the other companies were doing mm-hmm. and I don't know more. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, paying attention to them and, 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 and allowing certain people to pull you in, um, takes your mind off of what you're doing. And it's hard to be the leader if you're paying attention to what somebody else is doing. Um, are we aware of what's going on around us? Yes, but not as much as we used to be because we don't care anymore. Um, we found our groove and we do what we're doing and, and it's paid off. And, uh, and I, I couldn't, I really couldn't tell you what they're doing, what they're not doing. Uh, wherever I see them out, I always tell them hi, shake their hand. Um, you know, there was times where we all butted heads. There, there was times to where, uh, I was best friends with a lot of their employees and we would, we would cook hamburgers and, and hang out. And, and then again, I told you the dynamics changed. And uh, we don't have that same relationship, but we're professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we both want to run each other in the ground. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And that's that's competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, competition is great because mm-hmm. what it does for the end user is is it it makes the companies keep being innovative if they want to be on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that and in our the reason why we've done so well in the past is because people would challenge me and they would make me mad mm-hmm. and where they made me mad it inspired me it didn't it it, it, it did nothing more but fuel me up yep. um, I haven't had anybody mess with me in a long time so I haven't had that same fire of I'm gonna you know do this or do yeah. that um, but now we're just kind of like we don't worry about what the competition is doing anymore mm-hmm. um, we just kind of do our own thing and it, it just keeps 
it's like it's like so I tell everybody this. If I have somebody on my Facebook page that is always complaining or always negative, mm-hmm. I remove them. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing against them, but whenever I get up in the mornings, even though you're not supposed to do this, yeah, I drive on read Facebook. Um, <laughs> that that's your mindset for the morning. Yep. If, so if you're seeing all this negative stuff, it sucks you in, mm-hmm. and it puts you in a negative mindset for the day. Part of part of being successful is mindset, mm-hmm. and so uh, I remove that for myself. And if I start seeing something negative, because in the past I've gotten into battles with people on the social media, and, yep. and man, I used to throw it down just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, it took you away from you spent a whole day dealing with that instead of dealing with this over here yep. that you should have been dealing with. And at the same time, the guy that's reading that on the other side, mm-hmm. you might think you're right, but he might think you're both jackasses. Mm. You know, so it's like it's not doing your company any good either yeah. way. Um, so I've removed myself from. All that. So when was that turning point for you where you decided, hey, I'm not going to engage in these these internet battles anymore? Um, well, the other companies kind of quit, and then there was there was another company um, that him and I would kind of punch at each other here and there. And uh, I guess I still have, like, that short man complex from school, so if somebody <laughs> punches me, i got to punch them harder. And uh, we kind of made up wherever I got burned. You know, he called me and 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 told me they were thinking about me, and mm-hmm. he called me at the hospital, and it was like a really big thing to do. And him and I haven't jacked with each other since. We're just kind of doing our own things, and and it's being great. But that was probably three years ago, mm. and uh, and so while those battles kind of slowed down because people just weren't messing with me anymore, mm-hmm. I think uh, in the long run it kind of made us all better. Yeah, um, because we were all competing over that same little ground, and now we've kind of mm-hmm. got our own little niche and. And uh, we're just doing our own thing, and I assume we're all doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that's even better. That's better for all of us because if 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 they're busy reading what I said for the day and trying to defend that, yeah. and I'm busy reading what they said for the day and trying to defend that, no one's winning. Yeah, it's a lot of wasted energy. Yes, yeah. and and it's a negative yeah. mindset. And so I've just uh, I've removed myself from any of that negativity. Even even like if I get unhappy with somebody about something, mm-hmm. they don't even know. You know, I'm like, I'll still shake their hand and tell them hi. Yeah. And, uh, and Lisa asked me all the time. She's like, that guy, that guy screwed you over. How would you just shake his hand and ask him how he's doing? And I was like, because it's harder to be ugly. Mm-hmm. It takes more energy to be ugly than it does to be nice. Yeah. You know, so now inside, I'm not thinking, screw that guy. Mm-hmm. Probably. You know, but. How old are you now? <laughs> uh, 45. You had to think about it for too long. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on. So, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny because. Whenever I'm interfacing with certain people in business and, and just in life, there, there are times when I'll have a, a conversation with somebody that maybe my peer or someone that works with me knows, like, I have an absolute disdain for that person, yet I'll have a cordial, polite conversation, get what I need out of the conversation, and then move on. And afterwards, they'll come back. How in the hell did you have that conversation like that? Because, I mean, you, you hate that person. I realized that at the same time, there is something at that moment that I needed from him or we needed from that person, he or she or whoever it may be. And so there's just there's really no point in coming to the conversation trying to beat them down, even though I could obliterate them to a pulp. There, right. There's no value in that because ultimately we're all trying to be better. And yeah, I just, for me, that was probably my mid thirties or so that I had that turning point and mid to late thirties, whenever I started to realize it's just not worth it. And hate such a strong word. It is. You know, it's kind of like very, very few, very few. There's a fine line between disliking and hating. Mm -hmm. So disliking takes away energy. Mm -hmm. Hating someone drains energy. It does. Yeah. So it's easier to move them from the hate to the dislike category Mm -hmm. and be cordial. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not going home to eat dinner with those guys and watch TV. You know what I mean? So, so it's it's kind of one of those things where I realized it it, it just it it was a losing battle. And internally, I was conflicted because I had so much. I would let things weigh on me so much. I couldn't sleep at night. Um, it kept me from being productive. So not only did it mentally handicap me, it also handicapped the company because I was concentrating on things I shouldn't be concentrating on. Yeah. Um, I honestly can't think of of anybody at this point that could that could just come in and demolish me yeah. as far as as far as mindset because mm-hmm. I'm I'm just kind of like, 
Uh, maybe it's the medication I took. I'm a whole lot of, <laughs> I was going to say age, but it could be that. No, it's probably the, you know, Lisa always goes, I always hear these stories about you being like a hothead and, and just losing it, and I just don't see that guy. And I'm yeah. like, I just don't get that yeah. way anymore. But, you know, I mean, you knew me back then. Yeah. I, I would I would just like that. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I'm not so much a light switch no more. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that was age Mm-hmm. Or if, or if it was my happy pill, <laughs> but either which way, I'm happier now. <laughs> That's <than I> good. <laughs> so you know, as we're having this conversation, it's it's one surprising, not surprising. That's probably not the right word. It's um, encouraging to see what you and your team have built over the years, and because for me, while you and I have stayed in touch over the past twenty years. I know Nitro Day from 2000 or 2001 and the guy that would like flip like a switch and seeing you now, it's just such a stark contrast. And, and it does not surprise me now to see what you and your team have built over the years because you are a different Dave than you were 20 years ago. Absolutely. Which is just, it's, what do you think contributed most to that? Experience. Okay. Experience, uh, becoming more mature. Uh, definitely becoming more open-minded. Uh, that's one advantage I gained, you know, because I, I, I was a small hometown Riesel mm-hmm. uh, high school and, and Robinson. And, and our industry really made me more worldly. So I've met a lot of different types of people, uh, a lot of different types of thinking. And uh, I think that it made me a better person because I'm more open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um and the relationships that I've built in this industry are just, I mean, they're, they're awesome. Like yeah. you just, the amount of people I know and the friends that I've made and, and the relationships that we've made. And, and, uh, I think that's probably what I, what I, uh, probably one of the greatest things that I've taken out of this, you know, mm-hmm. like now I have financially st- stability, but to be honest with you, that didn't come to about five years ago. So, you know, it took 15 years to get there. Um, I'm still not filthy rich. To be honest with you, I still don't have a savings account. You know, so it's like <laughs> I, I, I invest everything. Yeah. Um, so you pour everything back into the business? Here and uh, like uh, we built, uh, I finally bought, you know, three years ago, Lisa and I bought a really nice house. Okay. And uh, and it had a guest house on it mm-hmm. and we reformed it and turned it into a, a short-term rental. Oh. And so we're kind of playing around with doing, I'm trying to learn right now short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really wanting to learn real estate. Uh, yeah. The other day, I got it in my head that I wanted to build a burnout and donut vehicle for like Cletus and Cars because that looked really cool. <laughs> and so I spent like a week shopping on a marketplace uh-huh. for like the biggest piece of junk. I wanted something that was really ugly mm-hmm. and uh, but unique. Yeah. And uh, then a friend of mine, Mike, called me and he goes, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Dude, I'm going to do this." And he goes. <laughs> Every car you have don't run right now, and you don't have time for them. Why do you want to add another one? I'm like, oh, you got a point. Yeah. <laughs> so he taught me off the ledge. Um, but that's that's how I'm programmed. I just jump into stuff, and that's the reason we have Jacob in play, because mm-hmm. Jacob's job is to be like, whoa, 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 whoa slow mm-hmm. your roll here. Easy killer. Um, right? <laughs> so, you know, that's that's uh, I'm still that way. And, yeah. and I, I, I hear people talk about retiring. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't imagine. Now – you know, a year ago I got burned really bad, and I was in uh, I was in the hospital for nine days, and then I was out of work for like a month and a half, and I came to realize that the structure we have been working so hard to build mm-hmm. kept the company running, and 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 the team really had to step to the plate, yeah. Because I I'll be honest with you, like I I, I couldn't do nothing, yeah, and I couldn't even think, and so it was like. If it, if, if it would have been 10 years ago, this place would have sank. And so after that, though, I spent a lot of time, I sat down with the lawyers, and what I came to realize is if, if I would have died that day, mm-hmm. everything I, I would work to build and, and these guys that have been here for 5, 10 years, mm-hmm. they, w- they would have been screwed. You know, so here they are investing their future and me making the right choices. And I almost died just doing a brush fire. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, I do a lot of really stupid stuff. And I wasn't even drinking beer. So it was like, <laughs> you know, it just happened. And so uh, we set up structure where this company keeps running. Uh, my family is okay. Uh, chain of commands is done. Like, literally something could happen to me tomorrow and everybody will be okay. Mm-hmm. 
I came to realize that you're not guaranteed a tomorrow. And I think a lot of very successful businessmen that are kind of like in that small business side, they take for granted that, well, I still got a little bit of time to take care of that. And, I mean, you could pull out leaving here and get smacked by a car. Mm -hmm. And especially if you have children or a wife, the mess that you're going to leave Mm -hmm. them, you don't don't realize it in the time. But that was a wake-up call for me. And I'm like, okay, look, the company's running strong, and it's doing great. But it's got to be able to keep going. And so we put all those things into play, and we put it into play so the kids are well taken care of. And uh, now if something happens to me, you know, we'll be yeah. okay. Yeah. So that's good. But that was, that was, I think that's, a, I think that's a, an important thing that, that people that do work for themselves should realize that while they're creating their legacy and they're, you know, they're, they're building this future for themselves and their family, their family is dependent on them. And so if they don't put something into play, they're really going to cripple their family because there's no, there's no retirement. There's no nothing there. It's mm-hmm. all over like that. Yeah. So <clears throat> that was a wake up call for me. And that was, that was what we put into play last year. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how when someone has a, a near death experience, um, I'm flashing back to, I had Tony Watley on the show a few months ago and I'm not sure if you're aware, but he was racing a friend's Viper. Or, it was a shop car. I think it was and broke a rear tie rod or something at 130 and car went sideways, oh, wow. smacked a wall. This was probably five or six years ago. And he walked away with a, a sense of peace. He wasn't really injured. A few minor bumps and bruises. He got lucky, quite frankly. But that completely changed the trajectory of his career and in, in life. He he started thinking to himself, okay, if I would have died, how would I have been remembered? Am I just, okay, well, at his funeral, he was thinking, okay, well, he, really nice guy, had cool cars. Right. And he started thinking, you know, that's not what I want to be known for. I want to be known for more. And so he started investing in, in learning how to coach and be a public speaker and try to help people out. And so it completely shifted his perspective. So having those near-death experiences, I think it sounds like it had a similar effect or impact on, on you because you've, you've made changes so that your family's better taken care of. Your business and legacy can continue going on. And, you know, I wish that I'm not wishing that people would have near-death experiences so that they <laughs> right. have that mindset. But I think, uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing that story so that you can raise that awareness. And people think, oh, God, you know, hmm, maybe I should start thinking about this a little bit differently, especially entrepreneurs that have a small business and, and you know, maybe they have 10 to 32 employees out here. I think that's an important message. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, you know, the other side of that is is enjoying life a little bit. Because I, I work so much, and uh, I realized at that point that, like, you know, the kids is me work. Whenever I come home, I work. Whenever yeah. I'm here, I work. So I haven't done a good job of what I said, but I have take step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have to have a happy mix. Yeah. Um, but you got to be able to step back a little bit and take some time off. And that, that's hard because even Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're halfway through Thanksgiving, and I was freaking going nuts. I want to go to work. You know, like that's just, I'm thinking about all this stuff I could be doing here. Yeah. But if you think about it, like, you know, Ty's 16 and that's Lisa's son, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm engaged now. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting married next year. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thank you. So that's, that's, that, you know, I, I tell everybody he's my son. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's 16. And then, of course, I have Harper, which is my eight year old. Mm-hmm. And she's a spitting image of me. Um, but she acts more like my sister. Okay. Um, which is bad. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> anyways, uh, those kids don't realize, you know, like whenever you're working all the time, they don't realize that, that you, you got to give them time. Mm-hmm. You got to spend time with them. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm like, okay, if I would have died that day, mm-hmm. all Harper would have remembered is my dad worked all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, well, that's not, not the way I want that. It's not ideal. No, 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 not at all. So. so over the past 20 years and through this journey of building the nitrous outlet and then all of these, these new companies that you and your team are, are launching, you've had some changes in, in yourself along the way, a lot of changes, mm-hmm. I would say. And one thing that, that stands out to me as you and I are talking about this is the first really 10 years or maybe almost 15 years, you had this mindset of just an absolute workhorse, just crush it, crush it, crush it. 
and it got you to a, a certain point right. in terms of the the stability of the business and the success of the business. And once you came to realize the importance of investing in your team and building your team and creating that structure so that the business can scale, that was probably the most significant turning point that didn't happen overnight, clearly, but a significant turning point for you. What would you say is probably the biggest lesson that you've learned on this journey? Um, that your biggest investment is people. It really is. You know, like at the end of the day, if, if, if you were to take and look at our sheets, our balance sheets or profit and loss or whatever, your biggest expense is payroll. And, uh, that's a good expense if you utilize it correctly. Um, all the other stuff is, is, re, is you hear a lot of business employees say, well, that person's replaceable. And, and the, the truth of that matter is, is in a, in a sense, everybody's replaceable at what expense though. You know what I mean? Like to, to retrain, to recreate that, uh, knowledge of within your company, uh, and especially when you find somebody that actually just shows up and, and has a great attitude and they like their job, that's hard to find. And uh, so the, the difference is, is we spend, you know, like we just came out of Christmas. I mean, we gave $16,000 in Christmas bonuses to our employees. I mean, we do that. And so what we did all year is all the credit card points, we let them build up, and then bam, Pay bills with that for that, and then here's our Christmas bonuses. So there's always a way to, to move stuff around to make sure that your employees are rewarded, and and they they appreciate that and they notice it. Um, I think it's easier to go to work for somewhere where you feel appreciated, and 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 you're you're rewarded instead of the thought process of I give these guys an hourly pay, they should just come in and do their job. That's not the reality of the world we live in, and so if they're you can have two different types of employees. You can have the guy that just shows up for a paycheck, or you can have the guy that enjoys being there. And I promise you that guy that enjoys being there and has his heart and soul into it, he's going to run circles around the other guy. And so it's a, it's a give-and-take relationship. But also, I don't want to work beside somebody that's got a negative attitude. I've had those in here. That was actually three years ago. I mean, we we just I came in one day and was like, look, everybody had a list of them. Everybody's got a bad attitude. I want to go. And they were great employees. Like, let me back up a minute. They were very talented employees, but they were poisonous. And uh, and we ran them out. And and you walk through here now, a complete different atmosphere. Where if you're the owner of the company and you don't want to go to work, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, and so uh, we made those changes. And that was, mm -hmm. dude, that was like, it's it's weird because all these years, like I look at all these different turning points and and hurdles that we've went through and lessons, everything's a lesson. Mm -hmm. And you, and you look at it and, uh, I don't think there's a college in the world that could teach you that, you know, like college is great at prepping you for using your mind. Learning. It's great at teaching you how to memorize things. Correct. And, and so, how to socialize with people. Right. But, but when it comes to the real world, I'm not really sure that there's a tremendous amount of value in terms of you, you get out you get out of college, maybe you graduate with honors and but then all of a sudden you step into a job and you gotta start at the bottom. Yeah. Maybe you get a parachute into some mid level management, but you don't really have an understanding of, of how to lead people or or how the business operates or anything like that. So you're you're kind of starting at a deficit from the people who just stepped right out of college or stepped out of a trade school or something like that and just just thrust themselves into the business and right. understanding the business and people and, and operations. So that's where I have a problem, business school. What'd you go to college for? Oh, business degree. And you're like, okay. Well the problem with that is 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 in high school and earlier on we are programmed that you got to go to college, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> got to go to college, got to go to college, got to go to college. doesn't matter what it's for, but mm -hmm. you got to go to college. Yeah. So then you get all these people that leave high school with no real clue what they want to do with their future, mm -hmm. which, I mean, at that age, I was just, where am I going to party at Friday yeah. night? You know, so it's like, <laughs> so it's they go to college, mm -hmm. and they, they dig this huge college debt for the basics. Mm-hmm. And they still don't know what they want to do. Yeah. So they get another degree, another degree. Some people land a good job. And, mm -hmm. and it, it seems to me like I'm not putting down college. Mm -hmm. 
but it seems to me like the guys that went into college with a plan mm-hmm. were the ones that did well. They mm-hmm. didn't overdig their budget. Yeah. And and they had a okay, well here's I need this education and this is the route I'm gonna go with my life for mm-hmm. for uh work or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. A lot of people just went to college college because they were told they had to. And they never had a plan and now they got a ton of debt and they're working for very little pay at some crappy job and they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And that's the real. So my nephew and my son are prime examples. They're mm-hmm. not college material. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that to put them down, but yeah. like they're not going to go to college. Now, technical school, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. And so, you know, I, I have two guys that worked for us that went to school, mm-hmm. and you know them both, mm-hmm. and they went to school for instrumentation. Okay. One guy went from the engineering side of it to mm-hmm. sit behind the desk and mm-hmm. design, and the other guy went to the uh, plant working on stuff. Mm-hmm. The guy that sits behind the desk started off making about $10 more an hour than the guy that started there. It was a two-year to three-year program. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind, this was 15 years ago. The one that was working in the plant started at $25 an hour. You know, and it's yeah. like, it's like okay, he put himself through school, mm-hmm. you know, and and but they had a plan. And so they, they don't have all this huge school debt, mm-hmm. and they're happy. And they're always going to be needed, you know. So it's like, so I, I tell I tell my nephew and I tell my son. I'm like, look, you don't have to go to college, but you do have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're you're not going to make anything. Yeah. And and you're going to struggle your entire life. So come out of this with a plan, and know know what you want to do, and go get it done. And so like that, that's what I push for. Yeah. You know. I, I, I wouldn't be in college material. Uh, obviously, I didn't even finish high school, so obviously, <laughs> obviously, no college material. Uh, I used to think that college was a waste of time, mm-hmm. but I realized from within our business because of hiring people smarter than I am, mm-hmm. they had to go get an education at what they're doing. So, like Jacob's a fine example. Mm-hmm. You know, he finished accounting school. Well, guess what? He's really good with money, and he runs all of our books here. Whenever we put those budgets into play and started doing all that stuff, mm-hmm. the company became profitable because we were able to pinpoint where we were bleeding out and fits it. I could never make that happen. Yeah. I tried over and over again. I could never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was a key moment for us. So education is important. Mm-hmm. It's just it's important to have a plan. Yeah. So that's with me. I just got lucky. Mm-hmm. I, I tell our kids all the time. They're like, "Well, you didn't go to college," and I'm like, "Look, I got lucky. Well, I, I had an eye for. I've always had a work ethic." Because whenever I was 13, I worked job sites picking up wood and stuff because mm-hmm. my uncles are contractors. Yeah. And they would take me to work. And then whenever, I mean, I dropped dropped out in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. At the age of 17, I had my own apartment, mm-hmm. and I was framing houses. And and guess what? I knew I didn't want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. so it was like, all right, well, but I never knew what to do. You know, I, I remember. Uh, so here's the thing. I want to interject there really quickly. You made a comment about being lucky. I would argue that. That you weren't so lucky, that you had to work your ass off for everything that you did. And right. when you say, when you say lucky, I, I assume you're using it kind of in the context of yes, you're a business owner and, and successful now, but that wasn't luck. That was that was work. Right, hard. It was work, work years and but years. But it takes so so. I'm going to say it's ninety percent hard work and dedication, ten percent luck. Okay, because a lot of people are ten percent opportunity. Hard work. Like yeah, where hard yeah, work and dedication work. paid off. Opportunity. Uh, so I'm considering payoff is luck. Okay. Um, right. Like, like I could buy ten thousand lottery tickets and not win them. So I'm not <laughs> that type of lucky. Um, but the there has to be a little bit of well, and, you know, I'll back up. And I, I hate to throw religion at some, but I, to this day, I I still say my prayers every night. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times I crowd myself to sleep. Like, oh my god, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, However, you look at that aspect, mm-hmm. you know I'm a Christian, and 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 and, I, and that's the route I go. Yeah. Uh, I think back, and I think, okay, everything I did, there could have been hurdles that took me another route where it didn't pay off. So that's that's why I throw in, okay, a little bit of it's luck. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say ninety ninety percent. No, let's back up. Let's say sixty percent hard work. Okay. A little bit of. Large portion of it prayer, okay, and then maybe five percent luck. Okay, there we uh, go. All right, <laughs> so, I'm good with that. That'll work. So it's kind of like you know you kind of look at it and you're thinking, all right, well, but I can't help but to think that there's been a lot of business guys that I've met over the years 
that were dedicated and worked hard and they just made some wrong choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, it's really about choices. Like yeah. if you really think about it, it's about choices. It is. The choice of how many hours you're going to work, how you're going to live. I mean, you know, it, it was kind of like you have to live within your means. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you want to go on a vacation don't mean you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. And I don't think everybody has that in them. And uh, to be honest with you, there was a lot of times I almost threw in the towel. And then I was like, man, but I'll never know. So is that what kept you going? Yeah. I yeah. think, well, I think I was too stupid to stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I think about it. And it was never an option. I yeah. mean, there was a couple of times where I was like, I was always from the very get go 100% in. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, I'll either die broke or we'll be established. One of the two. It's, mm-hmm. it's all in. Um, and as long as we keep making the right decisions, you know, at this point, the, the difference is now is it's a lot harder to turn the ship. You know, I think about all these big corporations and, and, and you look at these big drifts they have and you think, God, that was stupid. Why don't you just next day say, let's not do that. Well, yeah. it's not that easy. Yeah. And so the bigger you get, the harder it is to turn the ship. Um, and so I realize now that a lot of it's planning and forecasting and budgets and it used to not be that way. It was like, oh, I can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I could, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, that now it's about we built the company. Now it's about taking the income and keeping growing and building a retirement. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, that's really, as of right now, I have assets. Mm-hmm. Um, on paper, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. If you look at my checking account, it's friggin' terrible. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it's kind of like, all right, well, but, but, you know, back, back, the difference is now is like, we decide we want to start a company. We don't have to go to the bank. Yeah. We have the money in the bank. So nitrous salad is doing very well. David Vassar is a broke joke. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Let's see here. Okay. So before we start to wrap this up, is there anything else that you would like to share lessons learned about your journey? Anything like that? Uh, you know, just don't be afraid to go for it. If if you're going to, you, this isn't one of those foot kind of in the water. This is jump in and go. Um, the difference now, I tell people all the time. So like you have people that, that work somewhere and they want to go out on their own. <clears throat> the difference of David Vassar now versus David Vassar whenever he was 19 years old is that now I have debt, kids, responsibilities, people you know, leaning on me. Um, I could afford to be a hundred percent in then. Now I think if I had to start a company, I would have to work for someone else that had great pay and benefits and do it after hours until the point. I, this is the, this is, this is the, you got two different types of business guys. You got the guys that have money to start with and guys that don't, right? The guys that don't have to be very educated if you're younger, that's great. You got plenty of time to bounce back. Uh, I've bounced back a hundred times. I couldn't bounce back as easy now. Um, but I tell people all the time that are wanting to start their own thing. Wait until it demands you full time. Don't force yourself into full time. You got to have stability, right? And the the part that I neglected that I'm working on now is health. So you see a lot of there's two things you'll see with small business owners that are really 100 percent in bad health and poor marriages. And really, that's that's because you you neglect everything but work. Um, that's the things that I think I wish I would have been more in tune with, uh, and I'm trying to now. You know, so it's kind of like um, those those are important. And so I tell all the guys that are starting out because I always have guys that say, "Hey, I want to start my own business." Well, that, that's great, but be educated about it. And be ready to work your ass off because if you can't afford just to, I think the only reason I made it is because I didn't have any money. Really, I had a lot of people offer me money uh, once they seen the potential and what was going on, and I would never take it. I've never taken anybody else's money other than the bank. And the reason why is because if I screw up, I can look myself in the mirror and come to terms with it. But looking someone else after I've wasted their money in in the eyes, I can't do that. Like uh, conscience wise, that would just eat me up. So I have never taken someone else's investment money. 
And I've met a lot of really wealthy people along the way that were more than willing to give it to us. Now the, our company has changed. Now used to we didn't have any money. Now we got money, and we just can't we just, we just can't get things moving fast enough. You know, so it's kind of like it's a great offset. It's a different challenge now. Mm-hmm. But whenever you remove the financial stress, you're even more dangerous because not because you're you're wasting money, yeah, but because that absorbs so much of your thought process every day of like moving myself from that, I'm able to be more creative now. Yeah. So I love it. Well, Dave, thank you so much for your time. For all of you watching this on YouTube, please stick around. You're going to get a tour of the facility. Dave, thank you so much. This has been incredible. For all of you listening, that's all we got for the show today. Thank you so much, and y'all have a good one.